Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. KWTX at 4 starts now. And thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. I'm Justin Early here with Megan Boyd and meteorologist Camille Hawksworth. And yeah, we are getting that variety still every day. There's something different. A little, little cooler today. Gray outside. Yeah, clouds. the clouds are back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all setting the stage for some rain chances on Thursday. That's the day to watch. And we'll have okay. more details on that coming up in just a little bit. So we can get to our daily four today. All right, Daily Four starts with me talking today. <laughs> it's all about a new study done by Seniorly.com. It takes a closer look at dementia across the United States. And unfortunately, Texas was found to be the number one state most impacted by dementia. Now, dementia is actually an umbrella term that covers various conditions related to brain functions, including Alzheimer's disease, despite having one of the youngest populations Texas, in Texas, the U.S. dementia is expected to rise to 22.5% by 2025. So that's some of the, the issues that we're dealing with mm -hmm. here in Texas. And some of the factors that contributed to Texas ranking in number one in the category were overall an overall population that was unhealthy, the number of medically underserved regions, and the lack of public spending to support dementia patients and their mm -hmm. families. The average annual Medicaid cost for dementia in Texas is a little over $8,000. So you're saying, so Texas has one of the youngest populations in the U.S. across the board, but has the highest dementia rate. And yes. these are some of the contributing factors. It's interesting. Um, and it's, it's concerning. I mean, a lot of folks struggle with this. And, we want to see our loved ones that are older, you know, taken care of and healthy. I feel like dementia too is just one of those hardest illnesses to see a loved one go through to watch them kind of stop being who we knew them to be. Yeah. You know, that's it, it's just all end of life things like that are hard, but dementia seems to be an especially hard one. Yeah, it affects a lot of folks in different ways too. Right. Um, you know, and and it can maybe change their attitude, behavior, or personality a little bit. So it's sad to see, but maybe there's some good news with regard to resources that can help and things. Yeah, like that. there's some great news, and the good news, the first of all, is that we're talking about it and that we are healthy and young, and we can be aware of it. Uh, but I wanted to tell you guys too some good factors. First of all, exercise. We know that to be great in many factors of health, but it actually helps with dementia as well. Just 30 minutes of day of physical activity is linked to better overall health and of course that means brain health as well. Next is what you want to do is watch what you eat. Of course reduce high fat and high cholesterol foods and increase your consumption of omega-3s. There's another one here. Drinking alcohol can increase your risk so moderation is going to be the key that can help reduce dementia and this one might be surprising for some but keeping your friends close there is a direct correlation between socialization and lower dementia onset so not only being healthier with what you eat how you treat your body but who you keep close by as well wow. and some of those puzzles I love to do puzzles too I know my dad used to always do sudoku and, and crossword uh, so sudoku how do you pronounce that sudoku, so, sudoku yeah yep and everything's like that too. Those yep really so when you get together with your friends you can play those puzzles there like sudoku also 
also playing a musical instrument can help as well uh, and maybe even learning a new language so though all those different things you can get together with your friends over a healthy meal work on some puzzles and reduce your risk for dementia yeah, good plan yeah quality of life things you can do too right. which is nice to see now it's a number two in our daily four this one is such good news and a follow-up to a story we've been covering for months. Buffalo Bills safety, you may remember DeMar Hamlin could actually be back playing on the field soon. Today, the team's general manager says that Hamlin has been cleared to resume football activities. Of course, thinking back, we all remember that yes. the 25-year-old went into cardiac arrest in January after making a tackle in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Doctors and trainers administered CPR. They used a defibrillator on the field to resuscitate him before he was eventually taken out of the stadium uh, on, in an ambulance. And the bills actually say that three different specialists have all agreed that he can go back to full activities. And he's even voluntarily gone to yeah. some of the practices and things like Good. that. Just thinking back to when this happened, in the moment, you don't even know if this man is alive. We're like, you know, the entire country came together, like just hoping that he would pull through. And now just realistically in the grand scheme, a few months later, he can go back to playing football. I mean, incredible, right? It was so scary then, and it's so good to see that he's doing well. It makes you, I was hearing something on the radio about, you know, kind of football leaders in the sport are looking at making sure they protect right. young people from these kind of cardiac events on the field and doing whatever they can to protect their health in this mm -hmm. particular way because that's you know you're putting a lot on your heart whether you're an athlete or not your your heart's getting a lot of stress mm -hmm. in those sports so we hope that everybody else can be protected as well but glad he's back glad he's back and you know they did say again that he's going to practice but he's also come out since this happened and said that he kind of always felt like he was maybe bigger than football bigger than just some guy that plays so Maybe we'll see him try to come sure. back. You don't know if he'll be the same or not, but I also could see him taking this avenue of just kind of yeah. being an advocate, a public sure. spokesperson for yeah. uh, just health in general. Yeah, health of athletes and health in general, yeah, for sure, that's great. Well, even if you're not a sports person uh -huh. like me, you know about what happened. <laughs> exactly. And I think that there's gonna be a lot of eyes on him coming back, so maybe some new fans to the game sure, as that's well. That's a good point. I yeah. mean, I, I might be tuning in for his first game too, just to see yeah. how he does and, and make yeah. sure he's healthy in that game too. Cheer him on. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So I love that. Now it's a number three in our daily four. And Southwest Airlines, this ground stop is lifted, but it's seen more than 2,000 delays and about a dozen cancellations today as a result of some equipment issues that they experienced. And of course, this today follows that meltdown over the holidays that left thousands of travelers stranded for days and a week in some cases. As Southwest said, there were data connection issues that were resulting from a firewall failure today. And you'll recall that Southwest promised to upgrade its technology and the CEO promised no more meltdowns after that December incident. A couple hours was certainly nothing like what we saw in December. Um, and as for what Southwest is doing, we can tell you this. I have been digging for this and I found it. Late last month, it released an update on its action plan, and a big portion of that included improving its winter operations. So that'll come when we're in the winter again. But as the upgrades to tools and technology, as far as those are concerned, Southwest has upgraded the software it has to reassign crews in case of disruption. So that's getting easier. And also, it expanded the capacity of its phone system to handle a large volume. A lot of folks spent a lot of time on the phone, you'll recall, right. for and never even got through in some cases. So that's been addressed. Also, this is one that it's still in working on, but it's trying to improve the tool that lets them notify crews of the assignment changes and then lets the crew members acknowledge those electronically. You know, I received this, check a box, right. so you're improving communication. And in addition, 
improving communication between departments overall to stay on top of potential problems more effectively. And one thing that it did is merged uh, the department that sets up flight schedules mm -hmm. with the department that manages day-to-day -day flights and operations. You, you, they were not together at one time. Now they're together okay. in the same <laughs> department, in the same room as what I'm gathering. So that's good news. Seems like a good plan. It yeah. does. But, you know, <laughs> things work until they don't, right? I mean, right. things work until they don't. And so they have taken this and they are trying to make the changes, which is comforting as a, as a traveler and passenger to know. I wasn't even directly affected. I know you had some experiences. I don't recall if you did it up. <laughs> no, I, no. I know that you did. Yeah, a lot of folks, you know, a lot of folks did. Yeah, around the holidays, we were visiting some family in Pennsylvania. We're supposed to take a flight out. The flight got canceled, and the next one available was maybe four days later, something yeah. like that. So um, for us, it wasn't a problem at all. We were with my parents. We had a place to stay. I think I maybe missed one day of work, and outside of someone watching our dog. That was really yeah. the only inconvenience. Southwest actually gave us a lot of points for yeah. that. We're make, taking a trip like for free from all of yeah, that. That's so good. trying to make amends. They're trying to make amends, yeah. you know, like you said, they're working on it. They're trying to fix the kinks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, you know, the way travel, go ahead. I'm no, it's totally okay. I was just going to add that we had that poll that Texas Monthly uh -huh. did, the March Madness bracket right. of Texas brands, and Southwest went pretty far went in that. Far. So Texans were still holding strong on their on yeah. their Southwest. <laughs> I think there's just a word to the wise to seeing things like this play out. I mean, any airline could experience right. something similar, and just to have some backup plans in place, you know, have enough money in the bank to get yourself a hotel if you need to, and have a little plan to deal with it in case things go wrong, because they can go wrong. That's the ideal. You know, yeah. and if weather is to blame, the airlines not to blame. So we have to take sure. responsibility for ourselves in those cases. So interesting stuff. Now, number four in our daily four. All right, this one is one to look up for the sky. We're going to keep our eyes peeled out for this one. Look at this. Over the weekend, the northern lights, the enthusiasts all got out and they looked up at the sky to this strange mesmeriz mesmerizing addition to the Aurora Borealis display. Before 2 a.m. near Fairbanks, Alaska, a light baby blue spiral appeared momentarily in the skies. Unfortunately, the real reason for the spiral is a little less glamorous. A SpaceX rocket that had launched three hours earlier from California released some excess fuel into the sky, uh, and then it turned into ice and water vapor, and all that reflected the sunlight in the upper atmosphere, and that's what gave us that little baby blue spiral. But if you were up looking at the sky and you, and yeah. you saw that, what would you think? I mean, can't you just let us believe <laughs> That it's just a heavenly body and a sign from above that That's everything's going to be okay. You're so just sweet. <laughs> My mind went straight to like alien invaders, <laughs> like yeah. sucking us. We have very different <laughs> worldviews, man. <Megan>. But <laughs> <laughs> it's either of them could have been true. But no, it's something in the middle. It's, it's just, a leaky fuel. Yeah, it's yeah. leaky. <laughs> but it looked pure. It looked pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, and actually, Hopefully. there was not. This is not the first spiral we've seen in the uh, sky oh. from SpaceX things. Um, there was one uh, in January earlier this year towards Hawaii, kind of the same spiral-looking. Yeah. Uh, phenomenon yeah, mm -hmm. right. okay. yep yep so there may be more of those so if you see that in the sky it may not be yeah. what you think it is we might have to do a little investigating I hope it's not doing anything to our air quality that's what I was wondering too like that. that's yeah. I, my I head we're all okay yeah. with that leak if it's I'm, fuel yeah. right yeah mm. I'm concerned about that. hopefully it's all 
April is Parkinson's Awareness Month, and according to the Parkinson's Foundation, nearly 90,000 people in the U.S. are diagnosed with the disease every year. And here to help us better understand Parkinson's are two exercise physiologists from Baylor Scott & White's Getterman Wellness Center. We have Cassidy Stieg and Kaysen Kroll. I thank you both for being here today. We appreciate it. Um, when we think about Parkinson's, we think about some celebrities, and Michael J. Fox is one who's been out in front talking about this since it was early onset for him. What can you tell us about the disease? And the, and, the, and the illness that a lot of folks don't know. What are the symptoms? So it's a neurodegenerative disease that kind of affects swallowing, uh, stiffness, uh, balance, posture, and that's how we kind of help with that yeah. to kind of loosen the body, loosen the muscles. Mm -hmm. So, okay, very good. So, what can you tell us about how people can kind of combat that once they're diagnosed with that? What kind of things you do to offer to help them out? Uh, exercise plays a major role in that. We do what's referred to as big movements. Um, it helps posture correction. It kind of gets their arms out and wide because okay. they kind of slowly get into an encaved position, okay. shuffle in their feet. So trying to do balance exercises, increase the strength in their legs, um, and counteract some of the postural. If we you know, have loved ones who are getting older, what are some of the first things we should look for, the first indications that maybe this is something that they're developing? It could be speech. It, most of the time it is like the slump, mm -hmm. the shoulders are caving in and the sliding of the feet. So just being able to gain some strength in the legs mm -hmm. to pick up the feet. And, so that's with regard to the shaking. I know we I always associate it with shaking yes. uh, a little bit. So this, is that a later symptom, or is that something we'd see early on too? Sometimes it just kind of varies patient to patient. Um, balance plays a major role that you'll kind of see widespread across. The shaking could be earlier onset, could be later onset. Every patient is different. Yeah. How do all these symptoms create challenges for patients in their everyday life? So balance plays the major role. Right. That kind of ends up being the big word here. Um, being able to step over curbs for some of us is a lot easier. A lot doesn't take much thought to do it. Um, but for them, harder to pick up their legs, the leg strength. They end up using canes or walkers. Um, so just trying to utilize some of the skills to be able to give them. Right. You are exercise physiologists. First off, just kind of someone wanted to define what that is exactly, and then. How do you work to counteract some of those physical challenges that, that, that really are present? I mean, in, in many, because there are many of them. I mean, there are several. You mentioned a couple things, but what's your job and how do you help these specific issues get dealt with? So it's the study of movement, and that's what kind of what we're doing with these patients. So they're, uh, we're able to kind of assess them and assess their issues that they might be dealing with. We're seeing some of the video that was up here of, of you guys working with these patients. Um, kind of looks like a good time. It looks like you guys are trying to help them enjoy this process. What kind of reactions do you get from the patients as they go through these things with you guys? It's been incredibly positive. In fact, we've had to expand. So starting May 15th, wow. we won't only have just a Tuesday, Thursday class 7:30. We'll have a Monday and Wednesday class also, wow. starting 11:30. So got a big group going and it just continues to grow every day. It looks like you really do meet people on the level where they are and I bet that requires a wide range of activities and, and some adjustments for each individual. So for people who are maybe nervous about the process of getting started, you can meet them where they are, just kind of comfort them in that knowledge of getting that, that help that will help them at the level where they're able to do what they can do. That's right. Um, so we have kind of a wide progression of patients. Some are more mobile, some are a little less mobile. Um, we're able to kind of identify, okay, who needs more help, what activities would benefit one more than another. Um, so that way they're not just kind of doing everything the yeah. same. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. If people are watching this and they want to maybe participate in the class, how can people get involved? 
So they can contact the Getterman Wellness Center um, or you can come stop by and we'll kind of talk you through it and maybe even let you try out a class, see if that's something that kind of works for them. Sure, very what, cool. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you? Uh, it seems like you're really sweet spirits, like nice people as you come sit <laughs> here with this. What's been rewarding about this process and this experience for you personally? Each of you can answer that. So it's just given them the confidence of being able to go and do their activities of daily lives, mm -hmm. go into the mall and being able to shop the whole time without taking breaks here and there, and just giving them the confidence. Yeah. Sure. And being able to provide them a space to kind of find support in each other, sure. um, asking each other questions and when they go to the doctor like, oh, I haven't experienced this, well, someone else may have. Yeah. Um, or the caregivers that attend also, they're able to ask others and just kind of improve themselves based off of the experience of others as well. Yeah, it must feel really isolating when you're experiencing that, but to get that support is a great point that right. you mentioned. Yeah. So, okay, we can find all about that, uh, you know, and this, the advantages of that and maybe go to check it out and, and take advantage of that ever-expanding thing that you offer there. At Absolutely. The Thanks very much.